So welcome back. We're, we're joined by Dr. Kiriko Takahashi, who's the director of the Center on Disability Studies and who's been guiding it through a lot of the challenges right now of the pandemic and the changes that have impacted the university and the center. And she also directs federally funded projects serving uh, underserved communities, especially in uh, areas of STEM and assistive technology. Uh, she's been project associate professor at the Research Center for Advanced Science and Technology at the University of Tokyo, uh, and has been a disability specialist at Northwestern, as well as a learning disability specialist. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Kiriko Takahashi. Welcome, Kiriko. Thank you for joining us. I know there's so much going on. <laughs> Thanks for, for, for joining the session. Thank so you, Raphael. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, creating a winning proposal. And we've just started talking about uh, supporting documents and making sure those are as, a, as effective as possible. And I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over to, to Bob. Yeah, so we, we've talked about appendices and uh, I kind of talked about uh, the value of the appendix and maximizing the value of each of the portions uh, or pieces of the appendix. And I've reviewed grants where the appendix was five times longer than the proposal, where people put in everything and anything that they thought uh, might be linked to this proposal. So, uh, so we've kind of been spending some time on delineating how you how you produce that value, like in letters of support or letters of collaboration. Uh, and other items too, like the inclusion of faculty beta and, uh, and other things, uh, adequacy kinds of statements or quality, uh, capacity statements that uh, you might have that go in the appendix. So uh, yeah, we're kind of wanting, wanting to get that. I know Carico has gotten letters that were not gettable <laughs> previously and the different proposals I've been involved with. Uh, so she's uh, very astute at doing this, uh, but uh, getting the letter and looking at the value of the content of the letter and the tone, uh, we'd be interested in your thoughts. Sure. Um, well, just first of all, like letter of support is, very important. Um, I've learned the lesson as um, Bob has mentioned through practice <laughs> over and over again in working on the grant proposal. And just to start with a short story about how important it is um, before I go into what it should contain or how to obtain it is um, maybe a, over now a decade ago, I was helping in writing a grant proposal for a public school systems and for applying for their, their proposal, they were going to be submitting it. And, you know, as a providing the technical assistance in writing the grant, um, we, or maybe I have forgotten to include our letters of support from our center in providing, um, showing the support for their grant proposal because we were taking part in writing the grant and providing the support, technical assistance. But in that, um, we didn't write a letter of support. And 
the grant didn't get funded. And one of the comments from the reviewers is that there was no letters of support from the Center on Disability Studies. And it, um, so what happened is that, you know, the reviewers uh, review the application. The application itself was solid, but there wasn't the proof <laughs> or the you know validation that the Center on Disability Studies will be providing the technical assistance in making sure that activities will be conducted as it said in the grant. So that's how important a letter of support can be or could be, um, depending on what the RFP says. <laughs> so I, I think in the previous sessions, um, Bob had mentioned about, it's really important to check to make sure what is requested in RFP and alignment. Um, so sometimes the letters of support is requested <laughs> and there are specific lists of people that you may have to obtain letters of support from. So if that is the case, then you need to make sure to check off to make sure those partners or you have the letters from those partners. Um, if it's not requested, it still is a good practice to obtain a letter of support because it does show that looking at your narrative or proposal, and if you have mentioned any partners or if thinking about who your target audience is and in, in order to achieve the outcomes for those target audience, if there are other stakeholders who are involved, then it is important to have the letters of support from those partners or partner agencies to ensure that your activities will get done um, and that those partners are aware that you will, you will be conducting these activities. So even if it doesn't say the letters of support are required, it's highly encouraged that you have that letter um, to show the proof or validating the activities that you will be doing. Um, so that's kind of my initial, just a story, what lessons learned from my own mistake of not having a letter of support. Um, but usually when we write a letter of support, um, it, you know, you should include the goals and objectives of what the project is about. So making sure that the letter from any partner uh, will have the, title or the name of the proposal that you're um, writing and the funding agency that you're writing to and that they understand the goals and objectives of your proposal. So those needs to be very clear. Um, and if there are any, um, I guess, money involved and in that then it should state also the how much money um, or sub award that they will be receiving um, in the letter as well, or any activities that they need to be doing. If it was anything perhaps education related, whether it's a recruitment of the participants um, or dissemination of the flyers, um, it will be very good to have those activities um, written in 
the letter of support. Um, the other aspect of letter of support that I would also highlight is enthusiasm to collaborate with you um, and how your proposal or that proposal that we are writing align with their uh, strategic plan or that their mission um, or their needs and that it also speaks to them and why they would like to support us. So that's very important. And, and also that um, they, uh, they would like, uh, they have had um, established rapport with us. So if they have had other project in the past or had a, um, were happy with the outcomes of the project that we have done in the past, uh, they, it will be nice to have um, them speak to what we have done in the past. But usually it's just a one pager, <laughs> not anything longer than a page. <laughs> um, but it will be good to receive the letter from someone, um, the key person in an organization um, and you know who can make the decision later if or should the um, proposal get funded. So, and I also always mention to, um, when asking for a letter of support, that it's, it will strengthen our proposal um, and it will help us in maybe getting an, um, <laughs> getting the funding or closer to getting the funding than not having the letter. And it is not a commitment, like a hundred percent commitment on their part. If sh should the grant get funded, you know, we'll always make sure to speak with them and discuss um, the details because the context or what they are doing may change um, when the grant gets funded. Because sometimes the grant doesn't get funded um, for years <laughs> from when you start writing the grant. So then, you know, the people might have changed and um, they might have different um, in a mission or so we we always mention to them that when it's funded or once it's funded then we'll make sure to talk to them um, and to discuss so it's not like it's not a binding <laughs> it's not a memorandum of understanding it's just a letter of support <laughs> uh, can I ask you a quick question mm -hmm. so in the process of grant development we talked about kind of from research on mm -hmm. writing of the proposal, et cetera. Can you give us a little bit of a feeling of when we would start making those overtures to get those letters and start putting that in process? Oh, the letters, um, actually, that's a hard question because um, <laughs> I think sometimes the letters of support um, the rapport is, is so important or that, you know, the, the, the relationship that you have with the partners or the stakeholders or the organization is very important. So it may happen even before you start writing the grant at all um, and meet with the partners on a regular basis. So you also know 
their needs and you know what they're interested in. So when you are actually writing the grant, then you know that these partners are ex exist and they will probably be interested in supporting your grant proposal. So in that sense, like it's like an ongoing process <laughs> of establishing a rapport and maintaining that relationship and also understanding their needs. Um, but in terms of actually like in the process of getting the letters, once you have the abstract ready <laughs> and some um, the goal set, then I would draft a letter of support and try to um, contact the existing partners or the partners who are written into the grant to see if they are okay about being written into the grant or, you know, be collaborating and then if they will be willing to sign the letter. Um, just because if they are not interested, then you might need to change the direction of the grant completely. Um, so it, it will be best to try to do this as, you know, as early as possible. Also in a bigger or large organization, it takes a while for them to get to the executive director or someone at the top to get the signature. Um, and you may also have to have, you know, a couple meetings before they actually, you know, sign the letter. So it is best to try to do the letters of support as early as possible. Yeah, with some proposals, letter, uh, certain letters are required. So mm -hmm. if, if you can't get the letter, then uh, right, as you said, you change the proposal or go to something else. Uh, also, the number of letters typically in a proposal depends on the type. I remember we submitted a proposal once that had, we just flooded. There was like a hundred letters nationally <laughs> supporting the Nexet Center. And uh, the, the tactic was to just flood the uh, proposal with uh, add all these letters showing massive national support for this proposal. Mm -hmm. uh, but typically you'd never do that, you know, where you, you just have all these letters from everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, you just have a few targeted letters that are aligned very closely with the proposal and indicate the strength and partnership. There, so. And I would also, um, Bob often asked me to obtain letters of support or he, when he was writing. Um, so the best is also to know who in your group or organization who has the relationship, that mm -hmm. existing partnership or the relationship already. And that's a key um, because it's a short turnaround and it's hard to establish credibility um, from someone you don't know. But if you already have, you know, within your organization, if they already have a relationship, then, you know, it will be best to ask that person to reach out to um, the partner or the whomever that you are writing um, the proposal with. Um, and... So that's another key. Um, and once you, once they also the partners understand the our grant proposal um, 
style. So that typically, you know, grant that some 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 organization may not understand that the grant proposals have such a short turnaround, or you know that it might not get funded, or you know that all the um, so once they understand how we work on a grant proposals too, then I think they are better at also um, returning the sign letters and <laughs> more <Right>. quickly <laughs> because they understand uh, right. the nature of the grant. <laughs> yeah, I always used to think that I had, a, I had 20 people in my pocket that would give me a letter in one day on anything. And then after that, you had to build the relationship, meetings, plan. You know, you had to really work to get the letter. But if you had the groups, groups of people that you've worked with previously that uh, knew how things were done and trusted the relationship, uh, they knew the letter had to be turned around and uh, and given immediately. So it's always nice to have a set of those people available. Mm -hmm. So it sounds crucial and, to set up that, I'm sorry, to set up that uh, rapport with yeah. them and to have that existing network that you can activate and have that ready to go. Right. Definitely, definitely. I think that that you kind of have a people in mind already right. who you can ask. Um, and and they, they, they're usually very good <laughs> in getting the letters back right away. Um, because I think they see, uh, Bob mentioned trust. So we have that trusting relationship um, and they see the value. Um, so if our proposals, you know, speak to what they're doing too and benefit their clients or those who they serve, then uh, they're more likely to also support our efforts. So I think Raphael, there's one more question that you had asked. So if what if we are not able to obtain the yeah. letters? Yeah. So <laughs> just if there is like a glaring gap, um, what do you do? What kind of strategies do you do you do to uh, to to rectify that? Well, so if it's a if the RFP says it's required, then you just have to have them. <laughs> so so I I, I don't know. Um, and I think if you don't have them, you probably won't be able to submit the proposal, um, unfortunately. And if you can't find any alternatives, um, I think you you don't have a chance. And um, so you might have to change your direction completely. Uh, if it's not a must, um, then I think you may speak more generally within the proposal and not specify a um, specific school or partner, <laughs> um, but you can speak to the general landscape. Um, although you don't wanna be too general, right, Bob? So. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you can also try to get the second best letter <laughs> is from, some, uh, from an agency or an entity that is similar, but not actually the, 
you know, there are all kinds of little tricks around that to try to make the proposal viable. Uh, but yeah, it's hard. I know yeah, I admit, it is hard. Remember submitting a proposal that it, it was fairly clear if you read the RFP that it required a letter from a agency that was run by persons with disabilities and you had to have that evident. And uh, I remember trying to get two or three letters and just could not get it within the timeline. So uh, we picked an agency that worked with people with disabilities, but the lead person in the agency wasn't the person with a disability, uh, but had an assistant with, you know, he just kind of went through all these things to try to get as close as possible to what the requirement appeared to be and submitted it. And it was funded. So uh, th there are all kinds of little, I guess, secondary paths <laughs> if, you, if you can't you know, get exactly what you need. Mm -hmm. I'll just, just say a, a last thing on the, the letters of support for folks who might not be fully familiar with the content of a letter of support. You had mentioned that they're not fully binding necessarily. Um, but can you just say a little bit about uh, what the, the general intention of an individual letter of support, just for, for someone who might not have uh, have generated them in the past or requested them? For somebody who have not written a letter of support? Is yeah. That, yeah. Um, we, well, we usually draft a letter of support for them, right? Or whomever we're requesting. Right. So they understand um, that what we are looking for um, when we're asking for the letter of support. So we'll, we have a sort of a template um, that will um, contain what it means to have a, you know, to, to sign a letter of support. Um, and I, I do um, typically in my conversation with somebody who has not or never submitted a letter, letter of support on our behalf. Um, I do explain um, and I do emphasize the part that, you know, this um, will help with uh, our submission, um, but we will be making sure that we'll come back to you and, you know, discussing the details and contents once funded. Um, and, you know, at that time, if they, may you know have a change of heart or you know if they didn't you know we understand <laughs> so that it you know I do emphasize that um, especially uh, if it doesn't have any um, I guess a sub word or money involved yeah it's it's a uh, it's more of the spirit <laughs> of their collaboration that's important um, then I guess the, the actual um, details of uh, what they, they will be doing. Um, because typically once the grant is also funded, uh, we do need to establish, um, you know, there is a development phase or so at that time uh, we do, um, and, and also in the proposal too, uh, I typically write, that we um, ensure um, 
commitment from the partners or um, to so that will be part of our activities and goal objectives. So the funding agency also knows that there is that step <laughs> and that we will be taking. Terrific. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, is there anything else? I know that we, we ran just a drop over our time. Is there anything else that either of you wanted to say about this step in the process or the supporting documents? Uh, other than they're important, I think, uh, in validating what you've put in the proposal. That's uh, in reviewing proposals, that's how I always looked at the appendix or attachments were they verified what I read in the proposal or validated it. And uh, uh, thusly, uh, it was, everything was accurate. You know, it was like a citation. Uh, mm -hmm. So the more of that there was, the clearer it was that this was really a doable and probably a valuable project. Yeah, I think I agree. I think the appendix really just validates what you have written. So there's, if you can put example, so letters of support is an example of, you know, validating, you know, what you said you would do because it, the partner's name is there, signature is there, they said they'll do this activities. Um, and if you also are building um, training, then maybe the sample training or the training guide and is also already included. Um, so then they can see the type of training that you'll be conducting. Or, so appendix is usually used to really um, be able to make the proposal more concrete. And I think it's um, and easy for the reviewers to visualize and understand, um, fully understand that theoretical um, concept that you have talked about in the proposal. It makes it more concrete, more able uh -huh. for them to fully understand it. Terrific. Well, uh, this has been our funding masterclass with founding director of CDS, Bob Stodden. Um, and today we're joined by Dr. Kiriko Takahashi current director of CDS, and will return to talk about the importance of the team and developing, growing the capacity for winning grants by building expertise and experience through the sharing uh, and mentorship of the team when we come back and, and the team members. I want to thank you guys both again for, for joining us today. Uh, and uh, and creating something of value for for folks at, at CDS and other other folks who may be be joining in as well. Thank you guys. Thank you, Raf. Thank you. We'll see you later. Okay. <laughs> Talk to you later, Bob Thank and Raphael. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bye. Uh huh.